of God, Dorothy Day, once said, We have all known the long loneliness, and we have learned that the only solution is love, and that love comes with community. It's the first ever episode of St. Dipna's Playbook, the SDP if you want to be cool, and that is what this little podcast is all about, my friends. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because we've all suffered long enough, and it's time to come together to walk alongside each other in this valley of tears and to build a community that ends the stigma associated with mental illness, suffering, and grief in the Catholic world. We like to kick it off around here with trending topics. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. dropped this week about a 17-year-old in the Netherlands who died after a long struggle with depression, anxiety, and PTSD. Initially, the reports indicated that she was euthanized, but later things cleared up and we saw that she decided to die after being declined for euthanasia and ended up starving herself to death while her parents and doctors stood by and respected her wishes. This story broke my heart, both the initial report and the real story, which was almost worse, if I'm being honest. A teenager being left without any hope, left to see no solution, left to die by the very people who are supposed to love protect and care for her. In reality, this was a suicide that took place with the permission of those very people who should have been fighting for her life, even when things looked darker than ever before. Pray for her, pray for her family and caregivers, and actively fight against suicide in your own personal world by being open to talk about it and act if you fear someone may be headed down that path. A little more on the Catholic side of things. More scandals broke this week, this time around focusing on the lavish lifestyle of a handful of bishops and the misuse of money to help support that lifestyle. I was disgusted again, though not shocked, sadly. It reminded me of a quote from Servant of God, Dorothy Day. I never expected much of the bishops in all history. Popes and bishops and abbots seem to have been blind and power-loving and greedy. I never expected leadership from them. It is the saints that keep appearing all through history who keep things going. What I do expect is the bread of life life and down through the ages there is that continuity and while the bread of life does continue this is me now and thanks be to god for that i can't help but wonder what all these scandals are doing to our own mental health our catholic mental health as we go to mass donate our money and sit in the pews listening to our priests i don't want to go as far as saying we're experiencing ptsd though of course those who have personally suffered at the hands of the church very well may be and we should pray for their healing every day but these scandals do weigh us down and leave us with a sort of vicarious traumatization, where we start to exhibit similar signs, hypervigilance, negative thinking, hopelessness, helplessness, and mistrust. And I think the church needs to address the impact this has had on all the faithful. Just like when you go into therapy and you find out exactly what's going on for you, you receive a diagnosis, for example, the church being willing to acknowledge the vicarious traumatization that has been caused will be the first step in us doing something about it. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today it had to be the one and only Saint Dymphna. Dymphna was born in Ireland sometime in the 7th century to a pagan father and devout Christian mother. When she was 14, she consecrated herself to Christ and took a vow of chastity. Soon after, her mother died and her father, who had loved her, his wife deeply, began to suffer a rapid deterioration in his mental stability. So unhinged was Dymphna's father that his counselors suggested he remarry. Though he was still grieving for his wife, he agreed to remarry if a woman as beautiful as she could be found. And guess what? He settled on Dymphna herself. When she 
she heard of her father's misguided plot, Dimphna fled her castle with the, her confessor, a priest named Garaban, two trusted servants, and the king's fool, like a court jester, I guess, which is a pretty great part of the story, to be honest. The group sailed toward present-day Belgium, and while there, Dimphna built a hospital for the poor and sick. But in using her wealth, her father was able to discover her location. He captured them, ordered the priest's head to be separated from his body, like chopped off, you know, and attempted to convince Dimphna to return to Ireland and marry him. When she refused, her father drew his sword, struck her head from her shoulders, and left her there. When Dimphna died, she was only 15 years old. St. Dimphna is the patron saint of those suffering from mental health symptoms and those who help them, and her feast day is May 15th. If you find yourself suffering, reach out to her in prayer. Believe that she will intercede on your behalf before the throne of Christ, and trust that she will be with you, suffering with you, and loving you all the way through the darkness. And now let us pray. Good Saint Dymphna, great wonder worker in every affliction of mind and body, I humbly implore your powerful intercession with Jesus through Mary, the health of the sick, in my present need. For all those listening to the podcast and their families, that they may receive comfort in their struggles, compassion from others, and an increase in faith even in their darkest times. Saint Dymphna, martyr of purity, patroness of those who suffer from nervous and mental afflictions, beloved child of Jesus and Mary, pray to them for me and obtain my request. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Saint Dymphna, Virgin and Martyr, pray for us. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. All right, we've got an anonymous friend stopping by to ask this question I'm guessing a lot of folks have. Quote, I've experienced trauma and I'm realizing that I need to get help to get through it. How do I go about finding someone to help me with this, especially who is respectful to my faith, denomination, and beliefs? All right, first off, amazing props for recognizing the impact trauma has had on you and huge respect for wanting help. What a beautiful sign of strength. Trauma can result in so many different symptoms that make it hard for us to function. Nightmares, irritability, guilt, depression, hypervision vigilance, like always waiting for something bad to happen and kind of always looking around expecting it, anxiety, panic attacks, so much more depending on the person and the trauma. Thankfully, therapy can be really effective for helping get through these and not necessarily by re-experiencing your trauma in detail. I know that terrifies a lot of people when they think about going into therapy that they're going to have to retell every detail and it's going to traumatize them. But it doesn't have to be that way. It can be therapy that helps you specifically. It can be targeting on the symptoms that are causing you problems. It can be what do I do when I start to feel panic coming on? What do I do when I start to visualize something that happened? What do I do if I woke up from a nightmare about my trauma and I want to be able to get back to sleep? It can also be about re-going through the trauma and trying to figure out uh, how it impacted you. That's that's totally cool if that's what you want, but it doesn't have to be that. And I want people to know 
Um, that, that, that that that's the truth. Everyone is different. Everyone needs to find a therapist who matches with what they're looking for. So unfortunately, many of us are left with whoever is given to us by our insurance provider. And that kind of limits our choice. But I will say most therapists are proficient at many different styles. And if you present kind of what you think you're looking for, it can help drive therapy in an effective direction for you. Uh, for example, for me, when I go into therapy, I want to say, I want to work on my problems, tackle them and get it done. I want homework. I want worksheets. I want things that are going to help me. I don't want to sit around and talk about how I was adopted and how that's impacted me. And a therapist can help me with that by selecting a specific type of therapy that'll drive that. Another thing, change if they suck. You have to change your therapist. You cannot suffer through being with the same therapist forever. They won't mind. If you don't like going to therapy, they don't probably like the session either because they feel like it's not going somewhere good. So be willing to call your provider or whoever and make a change to somebody else. Be willing to help your therapist be culturally competent with your Catholicism by teaching them. So many people ask about finding a Catholic therapist. Um, but when someone comes in from a culture I don't know, I need them to help me understand what it's like to be in that culture. And as Catholics who are devout, we need to do that for our therapists too, especially around topics like divorce, uh, contraception, right? These things that we take seriously that maybe the therapist won't understand. So be willing to teach them and then you can have success. All right, at Going Blonzo, the brains behind my favorite t-shirt, a St. Dymphna one, by the way. I'm wearing it right now, you guys. Checked in with this question. How is mental health implicated in your struggle to attain holy virtue? What is mental illness? What is sin? Who should seek? Who should we seek to help us discern what is one or the other? First of all, thank you so much. It's very important for everyone to hear this. No one chooses to be mentally ill. No one would choose to be depressed or to have panic attacks. So we have to separate it from sin, which we deliberately choose with free consent of our will right off the bat. In addition to that, we have to realize that people struggling with mental health issues may make decisions they wouldn't make if they weren't suffering. And we have to realize if someone engages in a behavior that hurts us in some way, if they're struggling with mental illness, it's really the illness acting out and not the person. This is so important for helping to end the blame and guilt that so often comes up, especially in our families. What is mental illness was a part of the question here. And I think it's really important to think about it in terms of being impaired in our ability to function. The difference between being sad and being depressed uh, is that people who are sad still do what they need to do to get through the day, but they feel awful doing it. People suffering from depression are unable to accomplish these tasks, or if they do, it's extremely difficult. It's like you're walking through mud constantly trying to do things. You don't even feel motivated to take a shower. You don't even feel motivated to eat. Um, just as an example, sorry. It's extraordinarily difficult. So I think it's always a good idea to be in contact with a priest or religious sister or holy lay person you trust to help you navigate the spiritual life. And thankfully, the internet has helped quite a lot with that, right? But don't have any qualms about seeking out a therapist to help you on your journey as well. Please understand, you can suffer from mental health symptoms and become a great saint. Many have done so before you, and you and I can hopefully follow in their footsteps. And helping me pull together enough content for the first show, my good pal Jane Corvamaker, who flew all the way down here for Charlie's baptism because she's that awesome, checked in to ask this question. What's the difference between a counselor, a therapist, a psychotherapist, and other types of people who can help facilitate the mental health of their patients? And which type is the best for what kinds of situations? Okay, 
first of all, so I'm a marriage and family therapist in California, and I will say that different licenses are sort of the cool thing in different locations, right? So if I went to try and become a marriage and family therapist in Missouri, let's say, that might not be the thing. They might have licensed professional counselors. So it's important to know that uh, many of these different things basically do the same thing. There's a little bit of different training involved, uh, but a therapist uh, can also call themselves a psychotherapist, can also call themselves a counselor. Um, it kind of goes um, all these different directions. Um, so I think it's important to know that like if someone calls themselves a marriage and family therapist or a licensed uh, clinical psychologist, these people have licenses, they went to school. If they're a psychologist, you can call them doctor because they've earned a doctorate degree. Um, and if they call themselves a life coach, they might not have any sort of um, standards behind them or any sort of schooling. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody can't give you amazing advice. Just like if someone's still in their traineeship or internship as a therapist or a social worker, um, they can still give you amazing help because it's about the person, right? A little bit about the experience, but a lot of people can just give you that unconditional positive regard that you need. So I would say uh, you should be encouraged to see somebody who's a trainee, someone who's an intern, uh, somebody who's a life coach. If that's going to work for you, you have to do what's going to work for you. The psychologists that I mentioned before are able to do testing, which is a really big deal, especially for kids. Um, if you need your kids to get some sort of testing, let's say for autism, ADHD, uh, all these different things, or if you need to go in for some sort of actual testing where you fill out forms and people analyze it and make reports, that's a psychologist. That's not something that I can do, just so you guys know. And if you need medication, you have to go see someone called a psychiatrist. So no, a therapist is not a psychiatrist. Uh, a therapist is not a doctor. You have to at least be a psychologist to get that going, right? So I want you guys to be able to know that because I think that's a question that a lot of people have. All right, thank you for that question and thanks everyone. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry, I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Tiffany. Take care, you guys.